As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it. Welcome to Home Group. My name is Rick Renner, and tonight I'm here with Denise Renner, Maxime Masnikov, and Joel Renner. Welcome, guys, to Home Group. Thank you. Thank you, Rick. Welcome, Home Group. Are you just loving these Home Groups this week? We're talking about love. Yes, and I, of course, I loved our time of prayer on Tuesday. It was wonderful, and if you need prayer, we want to keep praying for you. Just let us know how to pray. Call us right now. Or send us your email. The moment we hear from you, we're going to begin to pray for you. We really will. But Joel, welcome to Home Group. Thank you. It is so good to study the Bible with you all. It really is. And I thank you for joining us for this wonderful Bible study. You know, Home Group is a place where we study the Bible every evening, and I really do enjoy it. Right now, you can get the free download called The Love Test. What God's high-level love looks like when it is released through you. God's love is in your heart. You just need to know how to release it. And this love test study guide is yours for free. It comes with a whole series, five parts, and it comes with an accompanying book. And I want to say that for those who become partners with our ministry, we always send two books as our gift to say welcome to the partner family. We send you my book called Life in the Combat Zone, How to Survive, Thrive, and Overcome in the Midst of Difficult Situations. And I'm excited to mention to you, Denise's little book that we also send to people who become partners, which is called The Gift of Forgiveness. You say, Rick, why are you excited to mention that? Because this week we're talking about high-level love. And sometimes what blocks you from walking in love with others is you're full of unforgiveness. And unforgiveness is a trap. It puts you in prison. And you're the only one that has the key to the prison door. You're the only one that can walk free. And you walk free when you move into forgiveness. Denise, do you want to say something about this? Well, I just want to say that it, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18 that we've been forgiven so much, so much, so much, so much. But then somebody comes along and offends us and we put them in prison. And Jesus sees that. And he and and actually, because it's so evil that we don't forgive. I'm not being condemning. I, I've been in this trap before. And that's that's what's in my book is my testimony. But that that is so evil. And it's such a trap. The Bible says in that chapter in chapter 18 of Matthew, that the tormentors come. And it, it, it releases evil into our life when we don't forgive. Mm -hmm. And Jesus says, if we don't forgive, he won't forgive us. And I think that's the most serious part of forgiveness. Oh, it's, forgiveness is very important. We need the forgiveness of God. And we need to forgive others. And because he put the love of God in our heart. He's not asking us to do something impossible. He's equipped us by the Holy Spirit, putting the love of God in our heart that we can forgive our worst offender. But anyway, we send these two books to anybody who becomes a partner. A partner is anyone who financially regularly supports our ministry. You can become a partner right now by going online or give us a call. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And I want to read again 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1 in the King James Version. Though I speak with the tongue of men and angels and have not love, I'm become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And the RIV, 
says, even if I converse fluently in the languages of men and angels, but do not possess love, then it's all nothing more than empty, hollow sounds. People like this who claim to be super spiritual, but lack love, sound a lot like the nonstop banging and clanging of pagan brass instruments in your city that you wish would stop. Those who go around pretending to be deeply spiritual, but who are sorely deficient in love, are so annoying that when you feel trapped in a vicinity near them, you'll look for any way to escape being trapped with them. Even if they say all the right things, their lack of love makes them so grating on your nerves as the clanging brass instruments that make you want to scream, stop it and stop it now. Let's be honest. These super spiritual motor mouths talk incessantly about how spiritual they are, but their absence of love makes it nothing more than a bunch of verbal hullabaloo. The hyped up spiritual talk of these folks who demonstrate zero love to match their words is so nauseating that it can nearly call your flesh to battle just to get them to shut up. Now, when I'm reading this, you might be thinking of somebody. Very often when you hear these kinds of things, you immediately think of somebody that fits that description. But I want to ask this, anybody think that description fits you? You don't want people to think about you like this. So we need to go to the cross. We need to get on our knees and ask God to help us release agape, that we move into a high level of, and we do not become nauseating to others. Amen? Amen. But let's go on to 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 and 5. We've already covered some of this last night. It says, Charity suffers long and is kind. We covered that yesterday. Charity envieth not itself. We covered that yesterday. It vaunteth not itself. We covered that yesterday. Is not puffed up. We covered that yesterday. Doth not behave itself unseemly. We covered that yesterday. Now we're going to go to the next part of this verse. Seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, and thinks no evil. What does that mean when it says love seeketh not her own? Well, the word seeketh, the Greek word zeteo. The word zeteo in a negative sense depicts one so upset about not getting what he wants that he turns to the court system to sue and to demand that he gets what he wants. A person so intent on getting his own way that he will search, seek, and never give up his pursuit until he gets what he wants. It could denote a scheming individual who manipulates people, events, or circumstances until he finally gets what he wants. It's pretty bad, wouldn't you say? Mm -hmm. And the RIV of this part of 1 Corinthians 13, verse 5 is, Love does not manipulate situations or scheme and devise methods that will twist situations to its own advantage. It really means love is not manipulative. Isn't that something else? Mm -hmm. But hey, let's go on. It goes on to say love is not easily provoked. Okay, now I'm going to tell you something funny. You guys ready? The Greek says love is not provoked. Then why does it have the word easily here? Would you like to know the answer? Because the King James translators translated this at the order of King James in 1611. And King James was given to temperamental fits. He was easily provoked. And the translators 
wanted to send a message to King James that he tone it down. So they inserted the word easily. It is not in the Greek text at all. It shows how a translator can influence a text. They inserted this word easily because they wanted to convict the heart of King James. But easily is not in the text. It simply says love is not provoked. Well, what does the word provoked mean? Well, that's really, that's a nasty word. Parazuxmas. Ay, ay, ay. From the word para, which means alongside. The second part of the word oxus means to poke, to prick, to stick as with a sharpened instrument. Very nasty. It's a nasty word. Compounded, it forms the word parazuxmas. It portrays someone who comes alongside of somebody else and then begins to poke, prick, stick, until finally the victim becomes provoked. Mm. It causes the victim to feel like he is going to be called into arms, called into combat. He is so irritated, he's going to be incited, inflamed, angered, enraged, or provoked. And I'm going to give you an example of this from Acts chapter 15, verse 39. It's a shocking example. I told you that I believe 1 Corinthians 13 was the Apostle Paul's personal checklist about whether or not he was walking in love because he was a man given easily to temperamental fits. And we see an example of Paul's difficulty with relationships in Acts chapter 15, verse 39, which says, the contention between him and Barnabas was so sharp that they departed asunder from one another. These were two partners. Barnabas is the one who was spiritually responsible for Paul. It was Barnabas who brought him from Tarsus and brought him into Antioch. It was Barnabas who believed in him. And now in Acts 15, verse 39, Paul and Barnabas have a contention so sharp, and it is the Greek word provoked, parazuxmas, which means para. They came alongside of each other, oxus. They begin to prick and poke each other with their words until finally they inflamed one another. They incited one another. They no longer just had a little disagreement. They slugged it out. I mean, this was really what the Bible calls a sharp contention. Isn't that amazing? We're talking about two men of God, which means it can happen to anybody. We all have to work on walking in love. And when you come to verse 40, it says, Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus and Paul chose Silas and departed. They broke their relationship over this issue. Mm. They were provoked with each other. It was an exchange of sharp words that just destroyed their relationship. Wow. And the Bible says love does not behave like this. Love is not provoked. And this is the Apostle Paul writing this. That word, the Apostle Paul is writing it himself. That's why I say this was his personal checklist. He had been through enough failures in his relationships and his love walk that he knew what he should not do. Isn't that encouraging? It is encouraging. That, you know, you could have failed in your own love walk and you could see all your failures. And after you've well, gone through all these failures, you can write down how not to fail. And I believe the Apostle Paul at the end of his life had many good relationships. Oh, he did. He did. But look at the RIV of 1 Corinthians 13, verse 5, this word provoked. Listen to this. Here's how I would translate it. 
Okay, Denise, are you ready? Maxime, you ready? Mm -hmm. Love does not deliberately engage in actions or speak words that are so sharp they cause an ugly or violent response. Love just doesn't do that. Love knows how to tone it down. And you know what? Sometimes it is love just to shut your mouth. Sometimes that is love. But let's go on. He goes on in verse 5 and says, Love thinketh no evil. What does that mean, thinketh no evil? The word thinketh is the Greek word logizomai, which means to mathematically count. It was the very word used, listen to this, guys, to keep records. Mm. To keep records. It was used in the bookkeeping world to portray the idea of a balance sheet or a profit and loss statement that a bookkeeper prepared at the end of the month or the year to make a final tally. And in this verse, the Apostle Paul says, love does not keep records of wrongs that other people have done. Now, somebody might say, well, I just don't know how to forgive. Well, let me ask you, how does God deal with you? Does God keep a record of your past wrongs? If you've asked for forgiveness, of course not. He puts it under the blood of Jesus. In fact, we're told in Psalm 103, verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. East and west never, never meet. Now, let me ask you a question. Does God have a bad memory? No. God has a perfect memory. But when things are put under the blood, he chooses he chooses to put it away and never bring it up again. Which means if you have sincerely asked for forgiveness and you've received it, God will never say, you know, I've forgiven you, but I'd like to bring that up one more time. He won't do that. He will not do that. As far as the east is from the west, he has removed it. In fact, the Bible says he's taken it and thrown it into the sea of forgetfulness. It doesn't say he forgot. It says he threw it into the sea of forgetfulness. He made a choice. I'm going to put that behind us. It's going to go so deep, I will never bring it up again. Love does not keep a record of wrongs. Mm -hmm. It just does not. And in fact, the RIV of 1 Corinthians 13, verse 5 could be translated. Okay, you guys ready? Mm -hmm. Love doesn't manipulate situations or scheme and devise methods that will twist situations to its own advantage. Love does not deliberately engage in actions or speak words that are so sharp they cause an ugly or violent response. Love doesn't deliberately keep records of wrongs or past mistakes. And friend, I want to tell you, friend to friend, that if you keep dragging up something from the past, the problem is not your offender. The problem is you. It's in the past. You can't even do anything about it. And even if that person asks for forgiveness, they can't go into the past and fix what they did because it's already done. It's gone. The only thing you can do is forgive. And guess what the word forgive means? The Greek word ephiemi. It means to release it and let it go. Just let it go. We have this statement in our house. Let it go. Let it go. That's what the word forgive means. Just let it go. But isn't it interesting that sometimes you have to let things go throughout your life? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. You might remember something and then you have to forgive it again. Yeah. True. And it's one of our own battles. It doesn't mean you have to confront that person 15 times. It means you just need to be quiet and forgive that person yourself again. 
Well, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18 that we're to forgive 400 and if we have to, 490 times a day. So that's a lot of forgiveness. And you know, just practically, the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says there's a time to embrace and there's a time to refrain from embracing. And if you're around somebody that you are tempted to be easily offended with, or every time you're with them, you're reminded of what they did sometimes, and you just have a little distance with that person. Don't, don't be around that person. There's a time to embrace, and there's a time to refrain from embracing. And if you stir yourself up every time you're around them, maybe the smartest, most loving thing you can do is just put some space between you and that person. Sometimes that, that's really required. It's amazing that all of that is in this little book called You Can Get Over It, How to Confront, Forgive, and Move On. God wants you to move on. He wants you to move on. You know, in Luke chapter 17, Jesus likened unforgiveness to the sycamine tree. The sycamine tree. Do you know sycamine wood was the wood they used to build caskets? Mm. It was also bitter, bitter fruit. The sycamine fruit, the sycamine tree was pollinated by the sting of a wasp. Wow. If there was no wasp to sting it, it could never pollinate. By the way, all of that is in this amazing book, which means people become bitter when they are stung. stung. And when they get stung, they often sit around and eat the bitter fruit of that experience. And if you eat the bitter fruit of that experience, it's casket material. It'll put you six feet under. And that's why Jesus said you have to speak to the sycamine tree and command it to be uprooted and to be cast into the sea. The sea there describes salt water. If you put a tree in salt water, you're going to kill it. You don't just stunt it. You kill it. Salt water will kill it. Jesus was talking about permanent deliverance, permanent freedom. But Jesus did not say, think to the sycamine tree. He said, you've got to speak to that thing. Your voice is your authority. Don't sit around and just listen to your thoughts because your thoughts will keep you in prison. You've got to use your voice. Your voice is your authority. And when that temptation to be offended speaks to you, you've got to talk back to it. You have no role in my life. And Jesus said, commanded to be uprooted by the roots. He didn't say just cut it off. You know why? Because the roots are still there. It'll give birth. It'll give life again. You've got to pull it up by the roots and cast it into the sea. And Jesus said, it will obey you. Your emotions will obey you. Now, if you don't speak to your emotions, they'll just push you around. Mm -hmm. They'll hold you hostage. It'll determine your mood, what you feel, what you don't feel. You have to take authority over your mood. Take authority over your emotions. Jesus said, if you will use your voice and speak to it, it will Okay. Obey. obey you. And guess what? The word obey, the Greek word hypoko, it means it'll fall in line. It will fall in line. Your emotions are just waiting for the voice of a commander. It's your voice. Isn't that powerful, Denise? Wow, it's just amazing. But let me read again. First Corinthians 13, verse 5. Love doesn't manipulate situations or scheme and devise methods 
that will twist situations to its own advantage. So if you're doing that, you're not walking in love. Love does not deliberately engage in actions or speak words that are so sharp they cause an ugly or violent response. So if you're prone to get into conflictive conversations, that's not the behavior of love. Love doesn't deliberately keep records of wrongs or past mistakes. So if you've got a file system in your head that keeps a record of every wrong that's ever been done to you, get rid of the file. Trash it. Cast it into the sea. And let me ask you, friend, do you want people to deal with you like that? Do you want everybody to remember everything wrong you've ever done? Oh, no. You didn't mean to do it. Do you want them just to drag it up all the time? Of course you don't. It's not fair. Especially if you've changed. You're not that person anymore. You don't want to be held in that prison. People judging you for something you did a long time ago. Then you don't do it to anybody else either. What you do for others is what's going to be done to you. That is a spiritual principle. Anyway, this is what the Bible tells us about love. And 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is what I call the love test. Joel? I think this has just been wonderful. And I want to encourage you, let go of those, let it go, as we say in our household, let it go. Let go of those past offenses. You know, Mama's book that, that you wrote, Mama, is so wonderful. The gift of forgiveness. Yes. The gift of forgiveness. It is a gift, and you can take that gift and forgive someone. You'll let yourself go, and you'll let that other person go as well. And I just want to encourage you to do that, and I'd like us to pray together. Let's pray, John. Mm-hmm. Father God, I thank you for this wonderful time of studying the Bible together. Jesus, we praise your name. You are the Lord of the earth. You're Lord of the universe. You created the world. You laid the foundations. Amen. We thank you for everything we have good in our life, Jesus. Oh, amen. Father God, I ask you that if there's anybody in our family who needs the salvation, your salvation, I ask you, Holy Spirit, to work in their lives. Amen. I ask you to bless our home group. In the name of Jesus Christ, all of our partners around the world, Jesus, I ask you to touch their lives. Do a miracle in their homes. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 And remember, you can get the free download right now. Just go to renner.org to get it. Order the series and the accompanying book. And wow, the Bible tells us in Psalm 4.8, I like the way it says it, I will both lay me down and sleep. Are you having a hard time sleeping? Ah, it might be unforgiveness eating away at you. Let it go. You'll sleep better. The Bible promises, I will lay me down and sleep and the Lord will sustain me. He really will. He's your sustainer. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed that teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.